Welcome to Sunburnt Country Music, interviews with Australian country music artists. My name is Sophie and I have been interviewing Australian country music artists for over a decade and I still love it. I love their stories, I love their insights and I love their music. So I hope you enjoy hearing from them on this podcast. Jessica Lux is a country folk singer from regional South Australia who released her debut single Heavy Lifting last year. She has a new single, The Temple, ready for release soon. And on the 18th of August, she will play at the Wheat Sheaf Hotel in Adelaide for the Ramblin' Winter Moon Review. I'm going to ask her about a few of those things. Hello, Jessica. Hi. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, it's a pleasure. Um, I'm actually going to start at the beginning of your musician life, probably than rather than the beginning of your musical life, because I have a feeling you grew up musically. But when you were 12, your uncle gave you a guitar and that started your life as a musician. Did you teach yourself to play guitar at that age or were there lessons involved? No, I taught myself. So I had this grand plan of um, being dual. So the, the 90s singer that we all know and love. And um, my plan was that I would teach myself guitar, um, write all my music and then get a combi and travel around the world in my combi playing songs. <laughs> that was a very specific plan to have at that age. Very specific, yeah, yeah. And it changed. I didn't I didn't do the combi and I didn't do the travelling the way that I'd planned, but I did learn guitar and I did keep playing and write music. Yeah, right. So obviously you were listening to Jewel from quite a young age. Who else were you listening to? Um, around that time, um, a lot of... Um, like you know sort of growing up around the 2000s there was a lot of pop like it was it was a really great time for pop music but um then I discovered the Beatles and Joni Mitchell and and then sort of growing up around folk music there was a lot of Carter family and just a lot of folk classics um you know all the all the um the songs that everybody knows and I yeah grew up around a lot of those so um there was quite a big big um had a vast amount of music around. My gran um, played us a lot of musical theatre. So it was a lot that we were sort of taking in. But I think for me, the music that I really gravitated towards was anything folk and anything sort of 60s and 70s kind of material and then Jewel. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess, you know, where where Jewel's uh, has something in common with with 60s and 70s and folk music is storytelling uh, and a really evocative voice. And some of the artists you've mentioned, Joni Mitchell, the Beatles, a lot of that is about the voices and how appealing they are. So have you always been interested in being a singer as well? Absolutely. And that was um, that was kind of where I'd started. You know, my mum put me in singing lessons when I was nine um, because she said I talked too much and she thought that might help. <laughs> I think it probably made it worse. <laughs> but I think that she could see that I really liked to communicate and um, the storytelling of any song, even the pop songs that I was listening to, you know, in the 90s, that was, it was those ones that had a real amazing and gritty storyline. Um, you know, I'd hear a lot of Morissette on the radio and just thought that was just so cool. And the Cranberries and, you know, a lot of those sort of like folk-esque sort of pop musicians the the storytelling element was always the thing that shone through for me and, and you know good, real good songwriting yeah so when you got that guitar was it I suppose it was with an intention of being able to play and sing at the same time but did that come together the way you'd hoped in within the time frame you, you'd hoped for I think when you do something so young you just throw yourself into it and you don't you don't really think that you can't do it 
Okay. I think if I was going to pick up a guitar and try and learn it now, I'd, you know, all of the things that could go wrong would actually occur to me. But when you're so young, you just feel like, I could do this, I can do anything. So that was kind of nice because um, I just kind of figured that I'd be able to work it out and that was good enough. And it's not into my adult years that I'm like, there's a few gaps in what I know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I mean, you know, Jewel is a solo performer. Um, she obviously would have a band behind her at some stage, but I'm wondering if you have joined a band or you joined a band in your teenage years as you were developing as a musician. Yeah, I was really lucky. That our friendship group, um, you know, we all gravitated towards music and um, we all kind of learned instruments and we were all just like playing whatever we could get our hands on. And we had a band growing up and it was it was the most fun we started this band, I think we're around 15, and we kept that band going into our 20s. Um, and it was just, you know, we'd we'd meet at my house and have a rehearsal and then we'd, you know, have a barbecue or something like that. And then we'd all go out partying together, you know, that mm-hmm. evening. And so it was it was really, really fun, um, like hardworking but really joyous time in, in music in my life. So when you were in that particular band, were you the front woman or were you just not just one of the musicians, but not taking a front role. No, I was front. Yeah, I was yeah. front and writing the majority of the music. And then, uh, which was great because it kind of like I could write the music and bring it to the band and then we'd all, you know, put our parts in. And then every now and then one of the other members would come along and go, you know, I've got this this lyric or I've got this little guitar piece that I've been wanting to play with and, you know, can we use it and can we grow it? And that's kind of, that was our kind of core about how we'd write music. Right, because it is, uh, I think it's a decision to become a front woman. It's not or any kind of front person. It takes a particular type of energy and a particular intention. So is it something that you felt like you were ready for and you wanted to step into and had been training for almost, or is it just more like, well, I'm here, I'm going to give it a go? I think um, being born a Leo helped. <laughs> <laughs> I was always happy to be front and center. I love it. I actually, I really like engaging with an audience. And again, it just sort of like, it comes, it's, it's this sort of like notion of um, storytelling and communication as just another place to do that. So um, yeah, I really enjoy it. I like being upfront. <laughs> I um, once worked with someone who used to work around the music industry and uh, particularly like the big day out when that existed. And she said once there was a party and a big day out and everyone had to come as their star sign written on their like a, like a sticky label sort of thing. And she said all the lead singers were Scorpios. <gasps> wow, fiery, yeah. And yeah. they just cut through all the all the crap and just get right in there and, yeah, that's funny. I think Leo works too, you know. I'm always really curious um, in, like, in a band setting what people's star signs are. I find that really interesting. Um, and then also you've got to find out their moon signs too because that's the stuff that they're trying to hide. <laughs> Yeah, right. Um, true. So is there a particular, this is a bit of a tangent, but since you brought it up, is there a particular set of star signs you prefer to work with as a fire sign, as a Leo? Do you like other fire signs or do you need a bit of balance? I think in, in my particular chart, I have a really balanced chart. And um, it's also something that, um, you know, spirituality and um, all the metaphysical stuff is actually a huge part of what I grew up with. And mm-hmm. so it's I, I'm conscious about working with other people and I also can, I don't know, I, I work well amongst a big group and so I'm always really um, interested when there's a funny dynamic to kind of, you know, work out what that is and, yeah, so I think I'm, I'm always able to relate to different people with different signs 
Um, I haven't bumped heads with anybody yet, so. <laughs> well, and you mentioned rising signs, um, and of course, in Vedic astrology, the rising sign is more key than the sun sign. So, because that's that's meant to determine more of your personality. So, you're obviously attuned to that rising sign and, uh, and yeah. sun sign working combination. I- yeah, and different times in your life, you're, you'll be more prominent in different signs. And so that's always nice too because it's like we kind of grow into ourselves a bit and the things that are maybe a little bit more brash in our younger years, we can soften a little bit as we kind of, you know, mosey on into life and things can kind of brush off you a little bit easy. You don't take things as personally. <laughs> yeah. So when you're performing, do you feel like uh, you sort of channel, you're channeling or accessing more sun sign energy? Like that is actually something that you can bring forth in performance? Yeah, well, I think being a Leo, it, you know, there, there is a confidence and a leadership that I um, gravitate towards naturally. And I have a Virgo rising, so or a Virgo moon, sorry, and um, and a Cancer rising. So my Virgo, I think my Virgo moon um, helps me to be detail oriented and so I am a bit of a perfectionist and um, you know I do throw myself fully into things um, which I'm learning to get better at a little bit <laughs> but then I think the cancer moon oh, sorry the cancer rising um, you know it's really about creating like a safe space for everybody and like a homely kind of um, approach to things and a, and a nurturing space and so I think between the, the fiery Leo, um, you know, happy to deliver and happy to be in the front. There's also like an encompassing that I like to bring in and, and a softness that I like to kind of um, welcome everybody into in a, in a space of music. But I would think Virgo perfectionism is useful for a musician because, you know, you have to practice, practice, practice. It is helpful to have that mentality that's prepared to put up with the practice in order to get really good. I think so, yeah. And just to... to um, when you really want something, it really gives you that ability to dig in deep, um, you know, if there's something that you're interested in or something that you care about, you can kind of like, I don't know, almost hyper-focus in a way. Um, yeah, I think that helps with that. So you said you grew up around spirituality. Um, for you, from a young age, was there a sense that music is a spiritual practice? Oh, absolutely. Um you know, I, as a small child, I had, um, you know, mum's group of friends who were all um, in spiritual communities and um, they would call me the goddess of music, which was really sweet. And so I think I kind of, I took that on in a way um, and it gave me like a, um, I don't know, almost like a purpose, I suppose, to kind of be like, and a reason to pursue it because it was like, you know, I was kind of almost told in a way that that was what I was here to do. And I think I do embrace that deeply because I teach music as well. I teach vocals. And um, I definitely go into music with a whole body and whole mind and kind of metaphysical approach in a way. So, yeah, absolutely. I do think that's how a lot of people who love music receive it as well. It's not just, oh, it's notes and it's a melody or whatever it is. It's actually a whole experience, if that makes sense. Oh, when you meet somebody on the other side of that, as the as the person delivering it, when the person that you meet on the other side is the one just absorbing that fully and wholly and, um, yeah, almost having the same kind of, like, receptiveness to what you're delivering, it is, the like, the reason that you play music and, you know, if somebody gets teary or, um, you know, just feels something deeply, if they feel joyous or anything, that's, you know, I, I feel that hugely and it gives me the reason to keep going and yeah it's it's a most beautiful connection so I imagine yes when you're in performance that does put a different 
cast on things in terms of it's not for you it's not just playing a gig it's actually the opportunity to have an experience with the people who are there an opportunity to connect with them and create something unique in that moment absolutely it's community it's um you know and I love to go and chat to people afterwards and um yeah um yeah it's I think when you're on the stage as well people you know you, you might be one person and there might be you know however many in the crowd and then you get off stage and you've just spent 40 minutes or so or plus sometimes, you know, with the, with those people. And so it is kind of intimate, especially in sort of a folk music setting. Um, you do, you know, you talk about the songs and the songs are often, you know, in folk music and country music, pretty intimate and generally have a pretty crunchy undertone. So and people are relating to that for, you know, 40 minutes of intense feelings. <laughs> and yeah. so it is nice to have a chat to people afterwards because you have generally been pretty intimate with mm. them and a time so when you started writing songs was was it with a particular intention of what you wanted to communicate with people or was it more given that you were in a band with your friends thinking we just need to get some material at this point in time no I think there was always a lot of intention for me the intention in the lyrics because I think because I'd grown up you know the people that I had learned story story like you know songwriting from were you know Joni Mitchell and the Beatles and Jewel and there was always um the lyrics always jumped out to me and so I think that's kind of what I gravitated towards and it was always important to me to um you know when it came to songwriting to have a really good story and a good structure but then also the you know the chord sequences and things like that to back up what you're saying and to have that kind of um harmonious kind of approach and then also um yeah, I don't know, to have like that synergy of everything meeting together, a great, you know, a great hook line. Like I love, I love a good hook line. <laughs> and so to really, um, to have that be the thing to drive the, the story along. Mm-hmm. So you had been writing songs, performing in a band, teaching vocals, but during the pandemic, of course, everything paused, except from what I understand, you actually made some use of that that pandemic downtime to think about what you wanted to do as a solo artist and out of that emerged your debut single heavy lifting so what was that trajectory for you through that time was it was it first that discombobulation of oh my work has stopped and then you try to shift your mindset or did it happen more slowly take me through it yeah no it, it for me it was a huge time and um i think you know when i talked to people it was it was a huge time of reflection for so many people and like in uncertainty people are um you know really talking things through to try to figure it out and um you know I remember when this this you know this thing that was coming around was you know we had we couldn't be in you know couldn't have lots of people in one place and so I had weeks of cover band gigs booked and um you know some of them had been ticketed some of them were just you know just show up kind of ones and bit by bit I'm getting these phone calls saying you know, oh, look, we, we don't know what's going on, but we need to we need to put a hold on things and, you know, we'll let you know what's going. And it was just phone call after phone call just saying we don't know what to do, but we have to cancel. We're being told we have to cancel. And someone's going, oh, we're not going to cancel. And then, you know, a couple of days later, actually we're going to cancel. And so I was just kind of watching everything just going, oh, my gosh. And then, you know, we all went into lockdown. And um, I don't know if it was intentional that I would just start writing more and more and make that a prominent time but it definitely happened and heavy lifting was um a pretty cathartic kind of um time in a song 
for me, there was like myself and a bunch of people around me. I was really noticing how we were all struggling in all sorts of different things. And um, I think the struggle, the struggles that came up were things that were sitting there before COVID. And then they really helped to, you know, being forced to do something really weird, like lock yourself in a house for, you know, weeks on end, really kind of puts things to the front of, um, of your, of your mind and of your life. And I was just noticing so much of that. And, um, yeah, I don't, I didn't specifically write heavy lifting, um, as an answer to it, but that was what was sitting there for me. Um, and then after releasing heavy lifting and around the time of the release, I had a really hard time where, um, you know, I think we kind of have these different levels of maybe like soul awakening kind of things. And it's, you know, people call it the dark night of the soul. And um, I had like a real crash. I like, I really burnt out and I really wanted to make a lot of changes in my life and how I approached things. And, um, you know, just sort of getting, getting older and looking at things differently. And I just kind of went, I can't do life the way I've been doing it. So I released heavy lifting had a bit of a breakdown, retreated um, a huge amount. And then heavy lifting kind of did this amazing thing where it kind of grew legs of its own and people started responding to it and, you know, sending me messages on on Facebook and, you know, Instagram and all those kind of things saying, you know, that it really meant something to them. And I kind of, yeah, I kind of underestimated the magnitude, I think, of, of the song um, for a while. And then it started to become apparent that I was like, actually, this is really beautiful. Like it's actually reaching people. Um, and maybe because it came from such an authentic place on my behalf, it was able to reach people on the other side going through maybe not the same things, but something reminiscent of a hard time. <laughs> yeah. So it seems like, you know, you offered that song as your debut single to people, obviously the energy that had gone into creating that. And I think there's probably delayed reactions to everything that happened through lockdown as well. And so you, you put all this energy into releasing the song, you had your own reaction to it, which was to crash, but then that song has come back and given you support from other people. So it seems like there's a beautiful circularity to that. Oh, absolutely. And it's just one of those moments where you go, wow, music does things that you couldn't even anticipate. Like I could have never planned for how that was going to come, you know, come about. And um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. I think it's when you create honest and authentic art of any kind um, and just kind of put it out in the world, maybe without too much intention and just kind of sit back and, and let it come back in however it does. And I think if you don't have huge expectations or like, you know, specific expectations of what you're wanting to get from it and you just open yourself up to possibilities, it's pretty amazing when things come and smack you in the face that you didn't anticipate. Mm-hmm. So the next symbol, not next single, excuse me, will be the temple. I was, I was confounding some temple and single then. Um, can you tell us what that's about? Single. <laughs> yes. Can you tell us what the temple is about? Yeah. So the temple, I'm really excited about that song. Um, it almost feels like the other side of heavy lifting. Right. So thing is about the struggles and um and about kind of like you know throwing yourself off into the unknown when when you're kind of going I can't you know I can't do this anymore um the temple is when you you go through that journey and you start to just go I'm giving in I'm allowing myself to be the person I'm supposed to be I'm allowing myself to undo old thought patterns I'm allowing 
nature to affect me. I'm allowing the relationships around me to be healthy and well and, you know, my choice. And, um, yeah, and the temple, you know, is that place within yourself that you reach. And the the lyric of the chorus is take no prisoners to the temple. Mm-hmm. So it's just, you know, don't leave, don't, don't leave, don't hold on to anything that's going to um, stop you from really just like ascending to your best self. Yeah, it's a very powerful line in the song. It keeps, it keeps running through my head. I'm like, well, it's very evocative. Um, oh. no, no doubt you'll be performing that single at uh, the iconic Wheaty in Adelaide in a couple of weeks' time from when we're talking. I imagine you played there a few times already. Oh, I love the Wheatie. Yeah, it's um, such a beautiful, intimate place. And I've done all sorts of um, things there. And every time I go there, it's, you know, it's a different energy um, for whatever it is that you're doing, but it just welcomes everybody in, um, even the setting of it is like, you know, you sit down and you just enjoy. (laughs) And there are some other artists on the bill because it is billed as a review show. So it sounds like it will be a full evening's entertainment. Oh, it's so special. So Todd Richmond Bennett, who organises the Ramblin' Moon Review, we did um, one earlier this year um, where we toured through regional South Australia. and there was five of us on the bill then. There was Todd played himself, um, myself, um, Jen Lush, AP D'Antonio, sorry, six of us, um, Alexander Black and Georgie Rocco. And um, that was amazing. And we had, we had a great time and it was met with a lot of success. And so um, Todd had the idea of doing like a winter edition um, here in Adelaide. And so there's myself, there's Ella Ion, who um, is a beautiful singer-songwriter and um, just, yeah, writes really gorgeous, like, deep, rich um, melodies and lyrics. Ryan Martin-John, who is a fantastic folk musician and, um, again, like, really beautifully written songs with great lyrics. Um, and then Kelly Menhennett, who just, her voice just, like, captures you. And, um, yeah, so it's a, it's a really beautiful, diverse and rich lineup. Mm-hmm. Well, after hearing you talk about playing live, I very much wish I would could be in Adelaide for that gig because <laughs> I think I think it would be a lovely experience to watch you play live. People can see you play live 18th of August at the Wheat Chief in Adelaide. Your new song will be coming out around about the same time, although date TBC and it is a fantastically powerful evocative song so Jessica Lux it's been great to talk to you about both of those things and other things besides and I look forward to whatever you come up with next. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Sunburnt Country Music Podcast. For more Australian country music interviews and reviews and other things, go to sunburntcountrymusic.com or to Sunburnt Country Music on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok.